The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. All right. Well, welcome to another Ensign Services podcast. I'm Tyler Douglas. I'm, I'm here with Clay Christensen today. And today we're going to be talking about a hot topic in leadership. Uh, it's one of vulnerability. Uh, I guess you can say that the, f- the first thing that we may want to do today is, is really define vulnerability. So, Clay, what does vulnerability mean to you? Yeah, I think, what does vulnerability mean to you? This sounds like such a sensitive interview. Thank you, Tyler. I'm a sensitive guy, Clay. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, let me give you first some textbook definitions and because they don't necessarily resonate with me, but but they might resonate with you. Uh, Brene Brown and and Patrick Lencioni and and several other authors have really honed in on this as a powerful leadership principle. So they talk about it. Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the emotion we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. She says it's all about having the courage to show up even when we can't control the outcome. It's about knowing you might fail and showing up anyway. In fact, she makes this statement that our ability to be daring leaders will never be greater than our capacity for vulnerability, meaning we completely limit ourselves as leaders to our level of vulnerability. So so clearly, she thinks it's important. Let's go to Patrick Lencioni, because I I really like him. I I resonate a little bit more with him. He adds that we as leaders uh, for far too long have have lived by the mantra, never let them see you sweat. Remember that video that he plays? He kind of holds up his arms and shows his armpits. Yeah, it's a great video. It's a great video. He, He says that usually our people know we're sweating whether or not we tell them, but that as leaders, we become much more trustworthy when we're willing to lift up our arms, show our armpits, and say, check this out. For me... Really, vulnerability is just being honest with what you're good at and what you're not. It's it's about being honest with what you feel and think. It's it's letting people see the real you and not putting up a facade as we are prone to do, especially in our jobs. We we want to put our best selves forward and almost sometimes pretend to be a little bit better than we are. Yeah, you know, I, I've always really appreciated when I've had a leader or partner who just really is vulnerable. It, I think it really helps me share in, in their humanity. And if you think about it, it there's an element of humility that, that goes into that. Um, you know, if you look back to Leadership and Self-Deception, it's a book that I always go back to. It's this whole concept of, of looking at people as people rather than looking at them as objects. And and I think for for us, to be a really successful leader, I think you have to have that vulnerability. But but to get there, there's got to be an element of humility so that you're able to look at the people that you're working with really as partners and people rather than just using them as, as objects. And we love when our leaders are vulnerable. We, we love when they're humble. We, we love when, we, when they show that humanity. Yet when we put ourselves into a leadership position, we almost think that people expect 
differently. They they expect us to to put on that facade, but but that vulnerability and that humility makes us trust them. It, it makes us want to rally around them. I I know of CEOs in this organization that have have done you know 360 anonymous feedback with their department heads and and the department and they then read the feedback from their department heads in in front of everybody and it's probably kind of embarrassing to share some of the things that the department heads have said and you know I'm just going to make up some here but but somebody saying well we don't think you listen to us or or we don't feel like you care about us you only care about the financials or or whatever it may be and I know that those leaders shared that feedback apologetically and and humbly and and said you know i vow to be better when a leader does that i mean can you imagine what do you think that does for the department heads who who gave that feedback and are now listening to the leader share it and humbly apologize and and say they want to be better what does that do for the department head well, I, yeah, I think it really gets like if I was a department head going through that and had a leader who came and, and apologized based on feedback that they had received, I think it would make me want to rally around them. I mean, that that kind of humility truly is endearing. And I think what's what's even more important is I think a lot of times when when they get that feedback, they may disagree with it. Like to, for yeah. your example, they may say. I don't just care about the financials. I do care about my people. I care about our clinical outcomes. I care about our culture. But if that's not what the the people around them are perceiving, it, it takes that extra step of humility to really go back and say, even though this isn't how I feel, I do need to apologize to them because that's what they're perceiving. But we do put up that guard, right, around our ego, and, and that's true. And uh, you know, and to me, that's what vulnerability is, is it's letting down that guard. Um, that that we tend to put up to to protect our ego and uh, and and again I, I think specifically we do this as leaders but but think about it from this perspective you know Tyler you as a leader do you do you want the people that work for you to be vulnerable if they're struggling do you want them to tell you as soon as possible that they're struggling. Or if they've made a mistake, do you want them to sweep it under the rug or hide it to give you more confidence? What what, what do you prefer as a leader? I mean, as a leader, I want to know right away. If there's something that's going on, I want to know so so that I can help, so we can bring the right resources together to to solve the problem. And and so I I want and need my people to be to be vulnerable with me. I mean, if we're really looking at it, we're all we should be striving for the best possible outcome. And if if we can have that vulnerability, not just us, but with our teams. That's how we're going to get to that best possible outcome. Yeah, and and yet when it comes to our leadership, we hesitate to be vulnerable for some reason. We 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 think that it's different, uh, you know, if we have a title that exhibits more. But as you point out, you know that that ownership title is really the only thing that that matters to me. Yeah, I mean, when we use titles, I think you run a risk with titles where it almost gives a false sense of boundaries, where if we're really looking for owners in the organization, the only title that matters is is that of, of owner. Yeah. And so we're looking for those people who uh, really are, are willing and able to be vulnerable because they're focused on the best possible outcome. Okay, so why don't you ask me some questions then? So let me start with this question. Uh, is there ever a time when we should not be vulnerable as leaders or can we be too vulnerable as leaders? Doesn't, doesn't that lead to incompetence? You know, I ask that question a lot in, in some of my trainings and I say, can you be too vulnerable as a leader? And 90% of people 
immediately start nodding their heads and they say, yeah, I, I and, and people listening to this probably are thinking of all sorts of examples where they're saying, yeah, th no, I think you can be too vulnerable as a leader. I can't get myself to say that. Um, I know we feel like we need to act like a leader, even if we don't feel like a leader. I, I disagree. I, I think we're missing the point here. I don't think we can be too vulnerable in the correct sense of the word. Now, now, first of all, I, I want to throw out a little caveat here. I'm not talking about being vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. I, I'm not talking about going around and telling everyone everything that you are bad at or share every emotion that you're having just for vulnerability's sake. I, I want to make sure we understand that, that I am sad today. I am, I am feeling lonely. I, you know, we're not that there's, there's no real point in that, but as it pertains to the job, you can't be a daring leader unless you're vulnerable. Google did this five-year study. In fact, uh, with Chase and Steve Farnsworth, uh, we talked about this in, in one of our uh, last podcasts. They did a five-year comprehensive study on a highly productive teams called Project Aristotle. Now, Project Aristotle found that, and, and this is their quote, said that psychological safety, and psychological safety is described as a team member's feeling safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. And they said that psychological safety was far and away the most important of the five dynamics that set successful teams apart. Think about that. Employees' uh, ability to feel safe and be vulnerable was far and away the most important aspect of the most successful teams. Harvard business professor Amy Edmondson wrote a book called Teaming, and, and she talks about psychological safety. She said that psychological safety makes it possible to give tough feedback and have difficult conversations without the need to tiptoe around the truth. And so, you know, you, we have to find ways as leaders to create that psychological safety. Um, I, if, if I, as a basketball coach, am, am constantly yelling at my kids every time they miss a shot, they're not going to feel safe shooting the ball. And, th and that's probably, you know, that's probably not a good way to lead. I mean, doesn't doesn't this sound very similar to the first two dysfunctions of a team from that podcast we did? Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, I, I was thinking that the, the absence of vulnerability-based trust makes us hesitate when we have uh, makes us hesitate to have good, healthy conflict because we're afraid to be vulnerable. Um, you know, I, when, when we first got together, you know, months ago and, and did that, that first five dysfunctions of a team. I think that was years ago. Tyler. Was it years ago? Yeah. Months, years, it all blends together. Time flies when we're together. It, it, it's true. But, but when you, when you go back and look at, at the fundamental um, piece of five dysfunctions of a team, it, it really goes down to what we're talking about today. If you can't be vulnerable you can't build on any of those other dysfunctions and, and address those it's until you address the vulnerability. It is yeah. the base. Okay. But what about something like in an interview? So if I'm interviewing for a job, uh, I, I would think that I would need to put my best foot forward and not share vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. I mean, if I asked 100 people, should you be completely vulnerable in an interview, 99 of them would say, no, you've, you've got to... But I'd probably be one of those 99. I mean, we are. Like, I, I, every leader that comes in that I interview, I always give this same spiel and I say, look, uh, be as real with us as you can. 
And yet still, you know, they're trying to say the right answers. They're trying to, you know, say the things that, that we think we want to hear. And here's, here's my thought on this. If your goal is to win the job, if your goal is to trick the company into hiring you, then yes, you should probably put on your game face and put on a little bit of a performance. But if your goal is to find the right job for you that you would be really good at, where you would really benefit the company, where you're really just trying to find the right match, where you will get to experience long-term success, then no, then be you. So that, so that they can know the real you and figure out if it's a right fit. But Clay, what if, what if I'm not good at something, but I really believe I could be, shouldn't I just fake it until I make it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not opposed. I don't have a problem with faking it until you make it. But, but I don't see why you can't just tell your employer or your interviewer that that's what you're doing. If I, if I struggle at prioritizing my most important duties, I have no problem telling my potential employer, look, this is something that I struggle with. This is my weakness. And this is what I'm doing to try to overcome it. It's, it's one of the reasons why I really like to ask the, the question, you know, talk to me about what you struggle with or talk to me about your greatest weakness. People think that they're being so sneaky by giving, you know, the Michael Scott answer, if those of you that watch the office of, well, I work too hard. I, I care too much. I'm, you know, the whole I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, that that's my greatest weakness. And I call BS, which is a, a bologna sausage, by the way. That sounds, I got to stop you right there. Bologna sausage sounds a little gross. <laughs> that does sound a little bit gross, and that's and and I and I just think no, that that's not it. You're you're performing for me right now. Look, one of the most important characteristics of any leader, in fact, of any employee, of any owner, is self awareness. We all have weaknesses, and we're all willing to say, "Oh, nobody's perfect, and and neither am I." That's easy for us to say, but as soon as I try to get specific, that's where our ego demands that we put up walls to protect itself. That's where invulnerability comes in. We need to have the courage as leaders and partners to tear down those walls and be real and honest with one another. You like that? There's a Ronald Reagan reference in nice. there. Nice. Well, that. well, well placed. Tear down that. So, so. Think of it, you know, another example, another analogy you could look at is almost like a dating relationship. We, we are invulnerable when we date. We act like we are much better people than we are. We pretend to be somebody that we expect our date would want. Clay, how do you think I got married? Let's be honest. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but, I mean, think about it from your wife's perspective. I mean, she feels suckered into this thing, right? Well, that's true. Well, let's not have her <laughs> we, on the podcast. We, we, we get we – get, the partner to commit to marriage and then we marry them and then the real us comes out and we're shocked and and i'm not saying that if you're a cranky person to always just be cranky i'm saying be honest if that's something that you struggle with right let's go into the relationship or into the job or whatever we're talking about with all the information so we can make the best possible decision so you're just saying we should always just be the real you yeah i'm saying you should be honest as you're striving to be your best you. Um, we should be willing to say, I'm not very good at this, but I'm really working on getting better. Or I'm really sorry about how I handled that the other day. I let my emotions get the best of me. Or I made a mistake here. I, I, I'm not quite sure how to do this the right way, but I'm sure with 
your help, we can figure it out, and on and on. Just this idea, just, just be real so that we know what we're dealing with. Don't we want our leaders to give us that that, that confidence? So as, as we were preparing for this podcast, I I brought up the I think it's an AT and T commercial where yeah. a doctor walks into a, a an office where there's a patient and and he says, "Guess who just got reinstated?" And then he said, "Anyone nervous?" Yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We'll figure it out. So you don't want the doctor to do that, is your argument on that uh, on that commercial? He's right? being pretty vulnerable. Yeah, he is Pro- being pretty vulnerable. But you know, here let me let me respond to that. I I. I do want my leaders to give me confidence. And for me, they do that by completely being vulnerable with me so that I know when I can trust them. See, if you're picturing a leader that's running around screaming, I don't know what I'm doing on everything that they're trying to tackle, then you're clearly not going to have confidence in them. But but I want you to think about what's worse than that. A person that has no idea what they're doing, but they're pretending they do. If that doctor isn't good at what they do, I do want to know that, right? If I don't want an open heart surgeon coming and performing open heart surgery on me when they have no idea where the heart is. I, I do want my leaders to give me confidence. And, and for me, they do that by, by completely being vulnerable with me so I know that I can trust them. See, if you're picturing a leader running around screaming, you know, I don't know what I'm doing on everything they're trying to tackle, then you're clearly not going to have confidence of them. But but Tyler, what's worse than that? I'll tell you, it's the person that has no idea what they're doing, but they're pretending they do. Take this doctor that you you talked about in this commercial. If he doesn't know what he's doing, I want to know that. I don't want him to start a procedure if he's completely lost and giving me confidence that he knows what he's doing and faking it until he makes it. I want him to be vulnerable. And if I know they're being vulnerable, I'm going to be more confident in that. I feel like I've seen that movie before. It seems like that was a Spies Like Us uh, with Chevy Chase out in the... Doctor. 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 Yes. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's exactly right. And he says, you know, he's getting ready to operate on that heart. Luckily, I know that that movie. He's getting ready to operate, and, and he puts the scalpel, and he looks at all the other doctors, and they kind of shake their head. No, that's not where it is. Look, I want to know because I want them to be able to decide whether or not I'm going to follow this person. If they say, I'm not sure what to do here, but I know I surround my, if I surround myself with great people and ask the right questions, then we're going to be able to figure out, then I can believe them. Ultimately, as, as, as Patrick Lencioni puts it, it becomes a competency issue and not a, vulnerable, not a vulnerability issue, if that's true. And if it's a competency issue, I want to know it. So it, it seems like you're saying there is a high cost to invulnerability. Think of how much time we waste due to lack of trust. We, we spend so much time trying to figure out what is real and what isn't, and then find ourselves trying to figure out how much we trust the individual or not. The value of trust in an organization is huge, and, and maybe that should be its own separate podcast. And But, but vulnerability will always come before trust. I, I honestly feel like... If we can develop ourselves into vulnerable leaders, it would lead to the most amazing results this industry has ever seen. And I, I know that sounds romantic or exaggerated or whatever, but but I believe that's true. So, Clay, how do we get our teams to be vulnerable to? Tyler, you, you love Patrick Lencioni. What, what does he say about that? 
I do. So as I think about what I've read and, and, and listened to him speak, you know, I think he says that the leader has to go first. Once the leader demonstrates that vulnerability is safe and not only safe, but desired and sought after, that you create this safe space for everyone to be vulnerable. Now, I, I think there's a couple things to, to recognize about that. First is you've got to do it so people can actually see it in action. It seems yeah. like there are a lot of companies that, that talk about culture or this is what we do, but in practice, they don't do it. I, I think we have to show them, not only do we talk about the culture here, we actually live it and we are striving to improve it. And, and so that we really, we believe what we say. And, and so they and we, almost we hear on. it first, but they almost need to see it in action before they believe that it's true, before they feel safe to speak up or be vulnerable. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think the other important part is that not everybody is going to get it on the first time. Yeah. When, when you're coming from other organizations that ha have ingrained this idea that vulnerability is a weakness, it's not just like you can show them once and well, why aren't they getting it? Yeah. It's going to take time for them to really see it in action and really embrace it. So I think helping encourage people to to go through and and see it over and over again. And as a leader, don't don't lose hope that they're going to get it because when they get it, especially if it takes a little extra time, it's going to be that much more meaningful to you when you have one of your partners who truly understands the value of being vulnerable. Yeah, I I hear leaders complain about that from from time to time where they say. Uh, you know, I, I tell everybody I want their ideas, but nobody speaks up. I mean, they, I've told them that they can be vulnerable is essentially what they're saying, but they won't be vulnerable. And and that psychological safety, I think, is the point you're making. That really needs to be earned. Um, it's kind of like sometimes leaders say, well, I have an open door policy, but nobody takes it. Well, an open door policy can't just be stated. It has to be earned. Um, they need to know that they are safe to make mistakes. And that's really hard in this industry. It is. That is a very scary thing to say in 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 the in a healthcare industry, but they do need to feel that safety. I I you know, I I I think of a couple of my boys that love playing uh basketball and and they're really good shooters. I love the coaches that they have that when they miss five, six shots in a row that say, hey, you're a shooter, keep shooting. It's what, I, And those are the ones that they always play the best for because they've created kind of that psychological safety to know that they can make mistakes. And when that happens, they're able to pull the best performance out of my kids. And I, I think that's true in our leadership with our employees. When we create that psychological safety, uh, that 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 vulnerability it's okay to be it's not okay to be vulnerable it's what we want for you to be vulnerable because that's how we're going to accomplish the greatest things and i guess as you talk about that those coaches probably start when, when they meet your boys that's how they are right out of the gate yeah. it's not something that that happens after the fact right yeah. you know i i think a, of an example of you know so jason whitehouse who leads our infrastructure team one of the things that that he does in every interview when he's you know meeting with let's say a senior engineer someone who who's had a lot of experience he'll ask them what's the greatest mistake that you've made in mm. in an environment yeah and, and and you can tell who's willing to be vulnerable by us asking the question. We, we are trying to foster that vulnerability right out of the gate. But I think it's, it's interesting because sometimes you'll have people who will say, oh, no, I've really never made a mistake. <laughs> and if they haven't made a mistake, either A, they're not telling the truth, 
or B, they don't have the experience that we think they have. To or be they're a, not very self-aware. Or they're not very <laughs> self-aware, which, see is, in there. <laughs> which is true. And so, you know, I, I think really giving people an opportunity from the very beginning to show them who we are as an organization, to have that vulnerability, and and to to continue to foster it over and over and over again. Almost, I, almost when they share that mistake to say, you know, thank you for being willing to bring this up. I'm, you know, I, we appreciate this. Now we can fix it. It's going to feel wrong to people that you're used to, and 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 company cultures often tell you, put up those walls. Yeah, you've, you've got to put on your best self, and but I I just think that creates so many inefficiencies, and if we can learn to be vulnerable. Uh, we can get to the heart of the matter a lot faster and we can just be way more successful. We can become an ensign to the rest of not just the industry, but but businesses in general. I agree, Clay. If that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Is that what we're going to end this podcast? I, I think on? that's I, I think that's where we should wrap it up. Well, thanks for for having me back. I I think you know you've given me a lot to think about. I mean, I, I realize there are times where I'm not as vulnerable as as I need to be, and and so I. That's hard I, for me. I it's hard for me to be vulnerable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and and thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. 